0: Welcome to the intercut podcast the weekly show going over the TV movies and entertainment that people can't cut away from I am your co-host Zachary Shevich and joining me what we know is a drop what we don't know is a notion it's Arturo Zurita amen
1: amen amen I wish my co-host right here understood what that meant but soon they will be enlightened by one of the best shows of the year Uh, but I'm excited to talk about movies for this one right here
0: Yeah, uh, we're going to get into some movies, but we're also joined by on Twitch. They call her Dr. Respect. It's Amanda (laughs) the Jedi.
2: What's up? Thanks for having me.
0: Um, Yeah, we are joined for the third year in a row with Amanda here at the midpoint of the year to talk about the best that TV movies have to offer So far, uh, these are back-to-back episodes, and on this one, we're going to be talking about movies. So if you're looking for Tiger King, you've clicked on the wrong video. But (laughs) before we get into our lists, let's talk a little bit about the year in 2020 in movies, because it's been a very strange one. Uh, We started it off really exciting. All three of us were at Sundance together. Mm -hmm. We saw some great movies. Stop
1: flexing. Stop flexing. Poor people, <laughs> poor, someone from a, a TIFF programmer is watching this going, damn you guys.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it's frustrating because we really want to talk about Minari and yes. things like Promising we, we Young women, even though I didn't catch yeah. we that. We got a whole video. We have, we'll, yeah. we will in the future, uh, but the selection's a little more limited with theaters not open and uh, a lot of things going to streaming and VOD, but it's been interesting because we talked about this before we started our video. Our, our lists are a little more indie, uh, a little bit tamer than maybe they normally are at the halfway point. I'd say so. But that's a good thing because yeah, sure. it's going to be interesting looking back at all
1: the year's lists and different things and just like yeah. the boxes, box office right now has bad boys killing it. Nothing has topped that, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> you have yeah. indies that are top in the charge for like the three theaters that are open in Texas and Florida. So <laughs> yeah. I, I still think it's really interesting that... We'll never really have a year like this yeah. again, and a lot of it is thanks to uh, a bunch of movies that are available because they're streaming, or VOD and stuff, so I think mm-hmm. it's cool. I don't want to even, yeah. even call it a fluke. I want to call it a once-in-a-lifetime type thing, uh, even we though hope. there's a lot of bad stuff
0: happening.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we hope. We hope.
0: <laughs> once in a hundred years. <laughs> uh Bring us back down to Earth a little bit, Amanda. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. The, the movies that, uh, I don't know if there's any movies that you guys were hoping to have caught that you haven't quite caught yet. I know for me, uh, Shirley, I, I missed out on that just in the last month. It's been busy, but that one's on Hulu, and I have a feeling it would be on my top 10 list mm-hmm. had I had a chance to see it. Also, uh, Spaceship Earth and Baby Teeth and mm-hmm. Emma. But uh, I don't know about you guys. What have you yeah. What did you hope to catch?
2: There's a few. There's nothing that I was like, oh, I'm dying to see this. I think right. I caught all those, but uh, I did before we do this, and I didn't get to it. I wanted to catch High Note, but again, I don't think that necessarily would have made my list. I
1: don't think and I so. Wanted to see,
2: I, d- I wanted to see The Way Back, but I didn't see that either. So, nothing mm. nothing mm. major. I think I caught most of what I wanted to, so. Cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, my three or four films that I uh, I think they're all probably TIFF films, 37 Seconds, which I think is on Netflix... Uh, mm-hmm. The Whistlers and Invisible Life, which mm-hmm. I know is on Amazon. That right. one had a couple of name changes. But those are like the three that I wanted to catch before this uh, podcast. Three that I missed because I was binge watching a bunch of yeah. other ones. But yeah.
0: yeah. Whistlers is a good one. That's that's one I wish I had caught as well. Nice. Uh, okay. Some honorable mentions before we get into the list themselves. I had uh, The Assistant on mine, the Kitty Green Same. movie. Um, mm-hmm. Same. The Willoughby's Onward, a couple an- animated ones. Uh, Buffaloed with Same. Zoe Deutsch. Dutch uh, uh, mm. Miss Juneteenth Which we talked about recently mm. on intercut Yeah that's on and, my uh, Yeah, um, I don't know if you have any honorable mentions you want to mention Before we get into our top tens
2: I think I think those were most of mine Honestly um, Some of them, it's, You know it's one of those things we're going to start talking and if you guys Mention too many of the same movies that I plan I'll swap in something <laughs> yeah. But, yeah You gotta
0: leave yourself some options
2: You, you gotta leave options you know
1: I had the yeah. same ones that Zach had. I would throw in St. Francis, which was a South by pick from last mm, year that is now mm-hmm. uh, fully out. That that one was pretty good. Uh, let's see what else I have. I have one that I don't want to mention because I want to say that it is on Amanda's list. So I will defer.
2: <laughs> you will defer. <laughs> but I will think it's add. on my list.
1: I think it might right. be on your list. I
2: think. Because maybe I so think I it's on your list. And then I won't say it, it, it might be,
1: <laughs> so when I'm not going <laughs> to say anything. Okay, uh, But I do have a lot of uh, foreign ones that came out last year that I know many of us may not uh, have on it. I know La Belle Poco is one that I caught at TIFF. It's mm-hmm. finally out for people to watch this year, so I know some may consider it this year. We all call uh, Les Miserables, I think, which was another TIFF yeah. one. Yeah, That one's out yeah. on Amazon. Um, Beanpole, I know, is out. Bacurau mm-hmm.
0: is That's another one I out. wanted to catch. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah, a lot of those that we had mentioned last year, I definitely, now that they're available, And everyone's at home. Here's a question. What's up?
2: I don't want to say it out loud. If if we all saw it last year and it released some places last year, but it went wide this year on Valentine's Day. Is it a movie from this year?
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I've been telling Zach I have a theory it could win an Oscar depending on how it works. Mm-hmm. maybe if they had agents in there and they slipped in and were able <laughs> yeah. to do something with it I would count it I, w- I would bring it up as an honorable mention because I know you did mention it last year though so for like ourselves Portrait it's not... of a Lady
2: on Fire but it does count watch it came out this year why not yeah, yeah so a lot of people yeah. didn't get the chance to see it till this year so I, I think mean, yeah and it just it just dropped the Criterion version is available now if you want to get it I'm waiting for mine in the mail watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire I got mine it's yep. this is the tippity top
0: it's, it's dope I mean yeah. I feel like it might even be fair to leave Portrait of a Lady on Fire off of our lists because talked it might be it. our no- number one on all of our lists uh, had it been qualified. Yes. And I, I've I've gotten some pushback from people when I suggest that it is a twenty twenty movie, but it is kind of a twenty twenty movie. Yeah, a little bit. So Hey, yeah. look, it found its way in. <laughs> yeah, it, found, yeah. Its it in. found its way in. It found its way in. We got to have the discussion. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get into the top 10s, just want to remind everybody to subscribe to the Intercut podcast. Get used to that. Uh, Either the video podcast on YouTube.com slash Intercut Pod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. We are at Intercut Pod. That's at Intercut P-O-D. That's short for podcast art. Do you want to kick us off here with your number 10? For sure. All right. So I have one that came on at Sundance. I want to say two
1: years ago. It is called Judy and Punch. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- yeah. I don't know if you guys are able to yeah, catch yeah, this that one. I can't, really, years, nope. yeah, I can't really call it comedic. I can't really call it. Um, I, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, but it stars as I pull it up over here. It's not Wasikowski. really a true story, Wasikowski. but it's kind of based off of like these marionette puppets or more so the people who created these marionette puppets in a show that they had. Mm. And it was very misogynistic and all like there was a bunch of backstory uh, to these two. It's got a little bit of a big eyes element in there and where the guy mm. is taking, you know, everything that she brings into the table. Uh, it starts Mia Wasikowski and the main guy. I don't see who plays the main guy over here, but her husband uh, does A lot of questionable things. And there's a certain sequence in the movie that some people claim is not a spoiler. I will respect it and say that it is a spoiler. But something gets thrown out a window. Yeah. And that's either the point (laughs) where you're in with the movie or you're like, yeah, this movie is not for me. But uh, Judy and Punch um, was a movie that I was able to catch. I think it's out on VOD now. I'm not sure if it's on a streaming service. Uh, But out of this year, this is one of the movies that I've definitely been thinking about a lot. Um, and it's my number ten. Nice. I don't think this one will make it towards very the cool. end of the year,
0: though. But yeah. hey, Judy no, and Punch I, I, I caught that
2: way. at last year's Sundance. Yeah,
0: so that's very, very cool. cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, Judy and Punch, getting it started. Amanda, how about you? What's your number ten? Um,
2: I'll go. I'll do kind of what I did last year, where I kind of talked about like a uh, a nice teen, fun coming <laughs> of age type thing. Uh, the half of it, Netflix. One. Um, I thought it was really cute. I thought it was uh, like my my reaction was I want the other half of it now Yes, I thought it was like (laughs) yeah I thought it was a really interesting look at the it's kind of got the whole like it's got a little bit of the Sierra Burgess slash Cyrano Story kind of going on Mm -hmm. where it's like somebody's like I want you to write as if you're me so that I can impress somebody And that kind of thing, but it handles it in a good way and it handles that that friendship between uh, those two uh, the male and female really well so mm-hmm. I, I, I really liked it. Um, if you kind of thought the concept of something like Sierra Burgess is a loser was good, but you hated it because it was not good, uh, I would give this one a go. <laughs> uh, I really I really enjoyed it, and it was cute, and it's an easy watch, which sometimes you just need.
0: Yeah, there's a, a lot of uh, movies, mm-hmm. particularly the romantic comedies, that try this uh, Cerno de Bergerac thing yeah. where you have somebody writing a letter for somebody else, and then there's another love story going on. Uh, and, and a lot of times... Romantic comedies in particular really rely on the the charisma of its cast and uh leia lewis alexis lemire daniel dimer the the three main people in uh mm-hmm. the half of it are all just really really good yes. uh leia lewis in particular just does such a great job of characterizing ellie uh, as mm-hmm. this kind of like uh introverted very smart but but not very world no world uh it, not experienced. very experienced yeah. girl She's not street who, who's savvy. opening up through these letters. Uh, the half of it's my number nine. I'm skipping okay. ahead a little bit. But yeah, I think it's a very delightful movie. Yeah. So I'm glad that made your list too.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it.
0: Uh, backing up just a little to my number 10 this is another movie we've discussed here on Intercut. Uh, it's Quentin Depew's Deerskin <laughs> starring Jean Dujardin and Adele one. Hanel. Uh it, it's just a very goofy movie. I don't know uh, Wait, how me. deep into it you wanna you wanna get with uh its story of a man's obsession with a leather jacket, but just the the way in which uh Quinton DePew is able to sort of escalate things in a in a slow but kind of uh increasingly crazy way. Uh how he how his obsession goes from trying to Paint himself as a celebrity to to A more aggressive version of Trying to make sure he's the only Person in the world who gets to wear a a jacket jacket. It just it's the kind Of plot that only a filmmaker Like him would come up with and Would take to that level To that extent Uh, It's got this really interesting Muted color palette that kind of matches The muted expressions of the world I thought it was very delightful so that's My number 10
2: wait so Adele is in this Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't know I almost watched that today And I watched some other thing That didn't end up making my list And this might have so, <laughs> I might have She's awesome. great in I, it She's funny I'm sure she is Because she's fantastic Looking forward
0: to uh, <laughs> Deerskin showing up On yeah. your best of 2020 At the end of the <laughs> yeah, year absolutely, list Absolutely Obviously sp- Specifically for Adele Always uh, Art what's your number nine
1: My number nine is Alice, who's the half of it? I was going to (laughs) wait just to top it. So I guess it's both of our number nines. Uh, I agree with everything both of you guys said. Amanda hit it right on the nail, especially. Uh, The the one thing I would add is I know a lot of people have seen it like, I don't see what's different about this than all the other ones, than every other rom-com or anything. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, "Mm, I made a whole video that you just watched on this. I think it it gets really into the intricacies specifically uh, within the, um, uh, like her Asian background. Mm -hmm. especially in a very religious town that it doesn't even chastise them. Like I feel a lot of people think that it's like it's chastising the religious people within the town. It's like, no, no. it's showing faults that are there and ignorances that may have happened. But it still sees them just as people because she was making a movie that wasn't just for the people who already agree with the movie. But for the people who that's the whole point of a movie is to put you in another person's shoes so that you can understand what they're going through. And I thought the half of it did
0: that very well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Loved it.
0: That's my number nine. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, all three of us putting the half of it on our lists. Uh, definitely one that you should catch up with on Netflix if you haven't yet. Amanda, what do you have at number nine?
2: Uh, it was actually originally the half of it, but I have kind I just realized that I only had nine <laughs> listed here. But um, So <laughs> I guess um, next up, I was kind of going back and forth between Emma and King of Staten Island. Um, I'm going to go King of Staten Island just because I saw it more recently. It's not perfect by any means. I think in my review, mm-hmm. I said it would have probably done really well as like a limited series. Like if it had been something that it had more time to flesh out the ideas because there's so many layers of like... If For those who don't know, it's basically kind of like loosely based on um, Pete Davidson's actual life. Mm -hmm. with like minor changes or like Mm -hmm. you know it's rather than trying to be a comedian he wants to be a tattoo artist it's just different things like that um but there's like a lot of different things like with the dynamic with his friends the dynamic with his family um this the dynamic with himself trying to grow up and get over the fact you know that he kind of was dealt a, a pretty serious tragedy when he was younger and is kind of struggling to like move on from a lot of that so i like a lot of the ideas that are there i did like a lot of the comedy And if there's something about Pete Davidson, I didn't think I liked him as much as I do, but it's just something about the way that he delivers things in such like a self-deprecating, like I Mm -hmm. think I'm a piece of shit just as much as you do kind of way. That's just very charming to me. Um, It's not perfect, but like once it gets to like streaming services and stuff, I would definitely recommend. Like obviously you can rent it right now, but it's like 20 bucks to rent. So if that's a little bit out of your wheelhouse, (laughs) you know, wait for a bit, but it's definitely worth a watch. But I do think it probably would have done better as like a limited series.
0: That's a Interesting. R- good point about that limited series thing. It's got that uh, very slack nature that a lot of the Apatow movies do have, but uh, it also feels a little bit segmented in that mm-hmm. you've got like the bit with his sister and the bit with uh, the firehouse and then the whole stuff at the restaurant with the fight club, which yeah, I thought was a little bit that's weird. weird. Uh, <laughs> But it, it almost feels like it might fit better in a format like a Master of None or A mm-hmm. Better Things, mm-hmm. uh, rather than necessarily this movie format. Yeah, uh, I would agree. where you can breathe a little bit more. Yeah, Four uh, episode seeing... mini series,
1: perhaps.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That was my that was my thought. Yeah, I would have done better that way.
0: <laughs> we might be seeing a little bit more of Pete Davidson later on in this list. Uh, Art, what is your number eight?
1: My number eight is a movie called A Good Woman is Hard to Find. Uh, It reminds me Mm. a lot of a South By pick from last year called Alice where uh, a mother, uh, her husband practically wasted all this money on prostitutes and now she Mm. has to go and regain all that money. This is in that very kind of similar vein except her husband has been murdered and she's trying to figure out who did that um, while she has her two kids that she's trying to to take care of. I think the, the character arc that she goes through of just being like this very just... Tired, Like the moment you see her, this woman is just tired as can be, uh, but she goes to the grocery store, and at the grocery store, there's a guy who's always hitting on her. There's a guy who's always hitting on her. (laughs) And that story arc of everything that she goes through uh, to figure out her husband's murder, just to be able to make ends meet, to be able to be there for her kids, and what she ends up becoming, the way that I titled it was, This is if the Karens of the world use their power for good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to put it By the ending of the that's movie That's way. exactly how I felt uh, I thought it was A really good performance By Let me make sure I get Her name correct Sarah Bulger, Who played Sarah Did a fantastic job uh, And I would highly Recommend this one I think it's out on VOD For everyone to stream right now Movie from the UK By the way
0: Awesome uh, A little like Gritty crime thriller To spice up the list
2: Yeah dope. I'll have to check it out
0: Nice Amanda What's your number 8
2: uh, This is a bigger one uh, Invisible Man I, yeah, very cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that opening scene, like it, it's not like a perfect movie by any means, uh, and it's, but I, I just kind of like that, that opening scene when she's, this isn't really a spoiler because it's in the trailer when she's trying to just get mm-hmm. out of the house, is like some of the most, it's so tense, and it just made me think of like all the people who have actually had to go through situations like that where mm-hmm. they do have to escape abusive relationships and how horrifying that can be. Um, and then other than that, like Elizabeth Moss, plays crazy like no other person Mm -hmm. i've ever Mm -hmm. experienced she's gonna pop up on the list again i was about Um, to say yeah yeah She's gonna pop up you know not a fan of scientology stuff but she is incredible (laughs) at what she does um for a horror movie i definitely think it's one of the more standout ones that came out this year because there were like a dis like an inordinate number of horror movies that came out at the beginning of the year I, yes. I did like a whole video about how many of them were there's like 12 or 13 of them that came out within two months so yeah um it was a lot <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, i think this one does still manage to stand out i think there's a lot of fun things in it there's a lot of nice little callbacks to like the original invisible man story uh i i yeah i don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it yet because it does kind of leave you in one of these like is it all in her head is something really happening and then like where where it goes from there yeah.
0: Yeah, no uh, no actress better at playing a woman losing her grip with reality right now than <laughs> Jeez, Elizabeth Moss. Absolutely. Uh, I, I had the Invisible Man at number five on my list. Oh, wow. Uh, right, uh, yeah, honorable I, mention. I think mine's yeah, been I like think it's a yeah. Mm. Go ahead. Amanda. No, I was just
2: going to say mine kind of like my list has kind of been moving around. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. like it's it's definitely cemented in a good spot online for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, for me, I think Lee Winnell is such an effective mm-hmm. filmmaker when it comes to uh, doling out these scares. And he, he's so smart in the way that he uses negative space that. and the audience expectations, yes. um, you know, because you, you we've all purchased a ticket or in many of our cases uh, rented on PVOD, mm-hmm. a, a movie called The Invisible Man. We are expecting an invisible man and the way in which he uses that to his to his benefit to uh increase the tension to make you think you see things when they're Mm -hmm. not things there, I think is just some really expert level filmmaking, uh, and to, to revisit the story and give it such a relevant, uh, undertone in terms of the, uh, you know, domestic abuse that it's, it touches on, Mm -hmm. I think is just, it's the kind of, uh, it's the kind of remake, filmmaking that we want to see where you actually add to the material or you or you bring something new to it so yeah. uh, for all those reasons i think yeah it's, it's one of the standouts from this year so far it's yeah, the blumhouse
1: great. movie you want to see leave it to me yeah. now <laughs> who did salt to know how to use that what is it five bucks and a pack of gum that they give you at
2: blumhouse <laughs> uh. he
1: knew exactly what he was doing
0: yeah, yeah no that, dope yeah very yeah. good uh my number eight is swallow From uh, Carlo Mirabella Davis I got the mini poster behind me Uh, It's a really interesting film Sort of like this Idyllic housewife uh, who is cr- sort of cracking at the edges and starts to swallow var- various objects as a way of breaking out of her shell sort of uh, it, it's got this very creepy undertone and it definitely made me squirm that a lot more than many of the horror movies I've seen it's a great performance from Haley Bennett uh, and yeah it's one of the standouts for the year for me so far I know art liked it a lot as well I, 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 I haven't
2: watched it. it yet because the just I saw that I started watching the trailer and I was like nope,
1: <laughs> nope! <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's dope I'm <laughs> very curious if you do end up catching it i curious your thoughts it.
2: I'll watch on it. it. I'll watch it. If it's good, I'll watch it. But it's just like, oh, God, I saw like one thing. And I was like, no.
1: <laughs> watch it <with> some <laughs> it's one some thumbtacks, Paladur, you know, all your movie <laughs> snacks that you need. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it, it just feels so real that even so though it's not necessarily yeah, a horror exactly. movie in the traditional sense, it's so horrific uh, and, and hard to watch. Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe. We'll see. I guess there is isn't <laughs> there is an Ari Aster movie this year, so I need something like that, I guess. Right, so. right.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's go to number seven, Art.
1: My number seven is a movie called, just make sure that I have it as my number seven, Baby Teeth. This mm. is, uh, oh, um, yeah, I want to go through the cast, first of all, because uh, it's pretty much a family. So it's like you got your mom, your dad, and they have a a, a young, their, their daughter is terminally ill. And she decides, you know what, I'm gonna go hang out with this, like, druggie, really, which I guess is the worst <laughs> way to put it. But uh, another guy who is as open as possible, that's it. He's got a drug addiction. Um, But then you start to learn different things about the parents as well as they try to, like, make their daughter happy so that they they allow her to hang out with the guy even though they don't really want to. Um, The daughter is played by Eliza Scanlon, who was actually the youngest in Little Women. Um, mm. Toby Wallace was in a, a, a Netflix show called The Society. I did not expect him to put in this performance. <laughs> and my man came in. Ben Mendelsohn. I, I don't need to say more. And then Essie Davis, who, you know, done Game of Thrones. Duke kills it in this movie. I thought it was a fantastic wow. movie. Um, it, You know, it may come off very first world problems to a lot of people because I had seen this and Miss Juneteenth back to back. Both of these mm. movies are up there on the what I want to call the independent box office of 2020 that has been raining over the years. I think right. they were both at, at, at number four and number five but this movie like it really gets into the um, just addiction uh, and then all the perils that they're going through as a family considering that the dad's even a psychologist or a therapist Uh, but I really like this movie a lot of people had recommended this one uh, to me it's sad but it's pretty dope Uh, I highly recommend it baby
0: teeth
2: yeah that was on my list to watch too actually
0: yeah, uh, that poster is very striking it's kind of been burned in my mind a lot right lot. like you the, like, see blue hair. Yeah, it's a dope yeah. poster,
2: and I
1: think a lot of the shots in the movie yeah. are, are very similar to, to that it's very free-spirited
0: That's cool. very cool very cool Amanda. What's your number seven?
2: Uh, I'm gonna go with Shirley, so I got back-to-back Elizabeth um, Again, a lot of these honestly could interchange around the list quite a bit um, With where I'm feeling about them, but uh, this is one I caught with art at uh, at Sundance this year um, and it's it's about the actual author, Shirley Jackson, who is a very famed horror author that if you don't think you know who she is, you probably at least experience something that's based on one of her stories. Most notably, she's she was behind the lottery. She's behind the haunting of Hill House. Um, really big things like that. So, But this is basically it's set in their like her actual reality. And they bring in this young couple to kind of stay with them because the there's like. I'm totally explaining this wrong. Either way, so there's a... c cu- I don't want to ruin it for Zach either, but either way, there's like a there's a young okay. couple. The 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 male is kind of like a TA almost for mm-hmm. Shirley Jackson's husband. And he's like, Okay, yeah, you guys can can stay with us and, you know, your girlfriend can help around the house and stuff. But there gets this like very interesting relationship dynamic that starts going between um uh shirley who p- elizabeth moth plays and odessa young's character who is the, the female and uh it's just mm-hmm. again a lot of very odd behavior a lot of like kind of like gaslighting behavior a mm-hmm. lot of just like mental games and stuff because like it's just a very fun situation for shirley who has a lot of emotional um flip-ups constantly um it's a very very interesting movie very, very much the watch
1: it's by Josephine Decker, who we've covered yeah, Josephine multiple in Decker. She, she yeah. won the award for Best Auteur Director at Sundance for this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, and even they made the, the she, they, they <laughs> made the award for her. They made the award for uh, her and well-deserved. Like uh, Amanda was saying when we caught it, I think we both stayed for the Q&A because I remember mm-hmm. her saying that this was like, it's the story of Shirley Jackson based off the book of Shirley Jackson based mm-hmm. off the script of Shirley Jackson because she didn't work on the script uh, Josephine yeah. Decker she directed she it so then she took the script that was based off the book based off her life and did another thing with it and yeah. uh, it's on hulu it is a, it's a crazy story everything amanda said doesn't even like scratch the surface of I, yeah. the mental games they play yeah in this exactly movie. i'm just
2: trying to yeah. like lightly dance around it without because there's really nothing to spoil but i just want people yeah. to go into it with like open expectations but it's just like mm-hmm. it's Here's, a wild ride that's the thing with elizabeth
1: moss both of her movies this year they end and you're like did it happen or not
2: yeah <laughs> you're like, like what is like going on
1: <laughs> you like you know what happened but you also have no idea no what just idea. happened so yeah yeah, I think it's one absolutely. of one of the best performances of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. comes from Elizabeth Moss in this movie.
2: Mm-hmm. And Odessa Young was really good as well, actually. Yeah.
1: So. And Michael Stolberg. And,
2: and Michael Stolberg, yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know Logan what, Logan Lerman, Lerman throw it. him in yeah, there. Yeah, you too. know what, I take it, Logan. You could go too. Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm definitely really excited to catch up with this one uh, Josephine Decker's last film Madeline Madeline is mm-hmm. uh, one of those movies that just you feel very viscerally like you, you go through the same emotions mm-hmm. as the character through the way that she's able to dis- disorient you through her filmmaking and uh, it, it seems like she's pulling some similar tricks in kind of getting that em- emotionally manipulative stuff going on in, in this movie mm-hmm. yes sir yeah uh my number seven is the platform, El oyo, Ooh. the uh, Netflix horror sci-fi thriller about a vertical prison with a uh, mysterious elevator thing that dispenses food to the different floors. I don't know. Uh, it's a just a very interesting, interestingly created world. Uh, the the way in which the prison serves as kind of a a, uh, symbol for society at large is really interesting and yep. gives you some food for thought that I think you don't normally get in something that is as gritty and horrific as this movie is at times mm-hmm. because it also has these intense action sequences uh like you'd get in some you know almost like in a Korean horror movie yeah. or something. yeah um yeah. I just think it's a a really uh interesting ride you know at the mm-hmm. way in which uh it constantly <laughs> switches you up by uh Moving Gregor up and down to uh, goring different to different floors and changing his roommates and uh, I, I was I was gripped for the duration of it and I have been thinking about it a lot so uh, it's definitely one of my standouts from this year. This is one that I think uh, a lot of like
1: in the future people would be like yeah, this reminds me of the platform. I think yeah. uh, a, a lot just the vision the aesthetics of it is something yeah. that it's going to probably be ingrained in a lot of people's minds. But then just the way that it was made. Uh, everything is supposed to be symbolic of something, so you could be like, "Oh, that person represents religion. That person is like a messiah yeah. coming down. That this person right. is this political party. No, it's this political party. No, it's yeah. this type of ideology." Uh, so there's a lot to play with it, to play with in the movie. I think that that's definitely going to be one that's going to be remembered for a long time. And Netflix has it, so yeah. everyone was watching it when that dropped. So
2: yeah, because mm-hmm. it was a, it premiered yeah. right, at you, TIFF. Uh, sir. Yeah, it premiered at TIFF.
1: Yeah, it was a Tiff mm-hmm. movie, yeah. Yeah, it was a Tiff ten- movie. I got to mm-hmm. see it with the guy there, and we asked him yeah. so many <laughs> questions, and he was like, look, I'm not going to answer anything. <laughs>
0: Art did a very good re- video breaking it down, mm-hmm. though. Oh, over thanks. On a, thanks, let so. me explain, so. thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, Art, I believe we're at your number six. Yeah.
1: Another Tiff movie. I was with uh, Carson Runquist, and he was like, bro, you got to watch this movie. You're going to like it. And mm-hmm. I did almost a year later it's called sorry we missed you (laughs) ken loach's new movie uh pretty much the best the best way i can describe it is uh so the financial crash happens i can't remember exactly where they are wherever this takes place but it's overseas and pretty much this dude decides to work for a company that's amazon flex practically uh it's a it's a driving company but he's not an employee all right He, he he doesn't have wages he has fees you know, it's everything to keep this person from not being liable to the company at all. But mm-hmm. he has to be or the company's not liable for him, but he's liable to the company. You know, and it's there. Mm-hmm. It's what we've been seeing with Uber and the drivers. It's what we've been seeing with. I did Amazon Flex for a long time, so I know exactly what's going on in this movie. Uh, he's got a he doesn't have a schedule, but he's got to drop everything off before five. He doesn't. Right have to, you know, he's, he's on his own free terms, but here's a bottle given to you day one because you're not going to have time to pee. Uh, and it's all the ups and downs that they go through. Um, another movie that I caught as well was 14, uh, which is um, a movie about these two girls who grow up. And I thought the script, the dialogue, just sequences where you don't really cut uh, that movie does it very well. Mm. The acting wasn't that strong. I was like, man, if the acting was stronger in 14, you would have like this really good movie. And that was like, sorry, sorry we missed you obviously Ken Loach is way more mm. experienced has a much bigger budget um, but it's not a happy movie it's just the turmoils of what you go through not only with you trying to get a job and how they just screw you over um, but then how you then take away something from your wife and your kids you're not really there for your kids when you're working 14 yeah. hour days working for yourself to a yeah. degree uh, it, it's, a, it's a it's a pretty crazy movie um, really great performances it's very just subtle very slow but uh, I really, really stuck with me because yeah. it's true. <laughs> it's true. There's no, I, I mean, I don't want to spoil the ending, but it just sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't catch, sorry, we missed you, but I caught uh, Ken Loach's last film, I, Daniel Blake. Yeah. Which similarly is like a, a very empathetic movie to the plight of working people. It's That's a this? movie about a, a guy who is. After he suffers a heart attack, he's just struggling to receive support from the uh, employment and support allowance that they have in the UK. And uh, this seems like it's definitely working on the same frequency. So I'm, yeah. it is. I just saw, out.
1: I did see Daniel Blake. Yeah, because he gets yeah. all mad at them. It's the same, yeah, dude. I, it is the same spirit. I was about to say, it's like you could oh definitely wow. tell it's the same director. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. he he really hates the people abusing workers.
2: Yeah, it's it's really interesting <laughs> yeah. when people, when you find directors get into these. Mm-hmm. Like trends, like trends, and it's yep. they're hitting the same beats, but just in different ways. Because it's like it clearly, like it's that. just something that yeah, that they can express. Vivarium was yeah, another movie. Di-
1: yeah, Vivarium was another movie where the director did the same mm. thing. All of his movies has pretty much been against mm. gentrification and pretty much getting people to all live in the same houses while they all go to work for the same capitalist people who set them up to live in these same houses and just circle jerk them around. So <laughs> yeah, I I think that we're definitely. Even more so at a time where a lot of filmmakers are focusing on like that one through line and putting it into all of their movies. So, it's cool. This one's really good.
0: Totally. All right. uh, That was number six, Amanda. What's yours?
2: Uh, I think this might actually be on your list, but higher up. Bad Education.
0: Ooh, (laughs) yeah, that one. uh, It's a little higher on number two. Yeah,
2: I kind of figured. Yeah, um, I caught that at TIFF, and uh, I did really enjoy it, um, but it's such an interesting movie. So it's essentially about a real story of mm-hmm. a, um, kind of like a school and a principal and it. You kind of get this one level where you think there's like a little bit of corruption happening in the school. And then it just kind of like opens up and you realize it's this whole thing. And that Hugh Jackman character is, is basically like American psycho where that like, he's not, <laughs> you know, like it's just a total facade of a personality that he's been putting on for the duration of this movie. Um, mm-hmm yeah it's uh i'm sure you can probably describe it better because i knew it was going to be on your list so i kind of wanted to make sure you had enough to talk about but the (laughs) performances in that are absolutely incredible and it's just once that facade starts pulling away and you're just really pulled in and enraptured into that story from something you're like oh this is like a really cool guy and he cares about students and it's awesome and then it's just oh no no Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah
0: yeah, no, yeah. I, I was also able to catch it a tiff, and uh, part of the reason that I think it's so high up on my list is because I've had the ability to rewatch it, and you, you see you know what's going to come and you you know uh, the inevitable downfall it's that much more interesting to watch uh, Hugh Jackman's journey through this movie as he just desperately tries to keep his life together and keep, as you said like keep up appearances yeah. and, and maintain that facade um, but ultimately like the way in which he's able to try and balance these uh, balance these different catastrophes is because he ha- he he has created such, an in, such a comfy situation for so many people around him that he kind of inoculates himself and he he, he is uh, separated from any kind of criticism or any kind of real accountability. Mm-hmm. And I think the way in which that movie sort of uh, shows this one system as like a microcosm of the larger system and the way that you yes. can expand that idea mm-hmm. to our society at large mm-hmm. is, is fascinating and very just well-articulated, well-written, uh, well directed by Ibor Corey Finley. Well written by Mike Bukowski, who also went to Roslyn High School, so obviously has that uh, insider knowledge of what the what the community was like. So, yeah, like I said, it's my number two of the year. It's a really interesting movie. It is. Uh, I I like it more the more that I think about it.
2: I think I would. It would probably have ended up higher on my list if I'd had a chance to watch it again. So I haven't mm-hmm. seen it since I saw it back mm-hmm. in September. Right. But I do think it would end up higher. Um, if I had the chance to revisit it, because it really is just like just a spectacle of a movie as you're going mm-hmm. through it, yeah. And great performances yeah. again, like so many good yeah. performances.
0: None of us have said the the words Alison. Yeah, Janney I was gonna say yet, yet, Alice 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 does oh a Long Island accent and oh, it's great. She's so Fantastic.
2: good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved
0: it. Uh, art. Uh, oh wait, uh, we did your. Yeah, So six,
2: now so, yeah. so yours. It's yours now, Zach.
0: Uh, bringing it back to Pete Davidson. It's big time adolescence. Hey, uh, that's way further down yeah.
2: on my list, but that's OK. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. The uh, coming of age suburban comedy uh, with Pete Davidson as kind of like the the cooler older brother that I feel like a lot of us maybe wish we had for some aspects, but ultimately realize like maybe it's you. not the best influence. Nope. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it's a very relatable uh, idea with the Griffin Gluck Gluck's character sort of feeling like he wants access to a world that seems cool but uh, isn't necessarily what he thought it would be and uh, he's kind of creating a type of image for himself that he yeah. re- he has to then realize that's not who he wants to be either which is so integral to that experience of growing up I think uh, sometimes you don't get that from uh, your, your, the, these like teenage coming of age mm-hmm. movies that experience of this this character that you've created for yourself is not actually you, yeah. yeah. And uh, the way in which this movie kind of pulls the rugs a uh, rug out from under him is very great, but also very funny. Uh, and I think it's for me, it's the better Pete Davidson oh, comedy absolutely. performance uh you know he's just so ch- charming and yeah uh, funny throughout this movie so yeah I, I I really like this one it's available to catch on hulu also when we yeah.
1: got this one two years ago we were we all did. at Sundance we kept <laughs> quoting kept Amanda up because we we just kept quoting the I love Bamba hasn't
2: left the rotation for me <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, but no, it's fantastic. I, it, You know, when we talked about both this and Staten Island, we said that this had the comedy down pat while mm-hmm. Staten mm-hmm. Island had the heart of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But when you judge them both, this had a 10 out of 10 out of the comedy in my perspective, while the other one had like an yeah. 8 out of 10 in the heart level. Um, but they were both. It's almost Pete Davidson is playing himself in every role that he's practically in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And this one, um, like you said, he plays like the older brother that you kind of want to be until you realize it's not really what you want to be. Um, I, I, I also enjoyed it a little bit more than Staten Island, but yeah, this is one of our favorites, one of our favorites from Sundance that year.
2: Yeah uh, I really I relate to a lot of these stories of the like Looking up to like an older crowd Because like when I first got into high school I started getting into like the the punk culture And I looked up mm-hmm. all, to all these like older kids Some of them mm-hmm. were like our friends older brothers They were yeah. in like grade 12 but then it was like Yeah they should have graduated like a year or two ago And for some reason they're still <laughs> in school and it's like Oh man it's so cool that like Such and such's mom lives down the street And they can go there and drink on lunch breaks that's so cool So you're trying so hard to impress these people That are just trying to gatekeep some something that by concept shouldn't be gate kept. It's like it's punk mm-hmm, music. Right. Like that's the least punk thing I can think of. So I ended up in like a bad situation where I like was drinking when I was like 14 years old and it almost very easily could have ruined my life. And then I smartened up, realized I didn't want anything to do with these people and now looking back and I'm like, yeah, they were they were losers. <laughs> like some of them right. were super nice and some of them I'd still be friends with now, but like a couple of them were like genuine losers who liked the fact that kids looked up to them and it made them mm, right. feel big and it made them feel important and like i can't imagine being like 19 years old wanting to hang out with a 14 year old
0: yeah that's the thing that i think we're seeing uh, also just in our, our real world too where you know when you are 14 15 16 it's like oh cool i like i want to hang out with this 21 22 24 year old <laughs> and then when you get to that age 20 21 22 it's like why would i want to hang out like yeah there's what, something what, wrong. what would have to happen to me to want to mm-hmm. hang out with a
1: teenager right yeah now, you know think the idea is, like, they're looking for something, like Amanda said, for guidance.
2: You're trying to find but yourself.
1: All the people who can guide you, who should be guiding you, aren't there for you. They're doing other stuff. These are the mm-hmm. people who stayed there, so you feel, oh, these are the one people who are at least giving me attention. It's because they have no- nothing else to do on their hands.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so you right. end
1: up, yeah, you end up um, becoming the guy who tattoos kids, 10-year-old kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I really liked it. I-, I had that kind of floating around in my top three
0: um, okay. for mm-hmm. me
2: so yeah cool. big fan cool. big fan I'm a huge coming of age fan like people should know this yeah. about me so yeah
0: yeah that's definitely a theme throughout uh, the lists over the years it is, yeah all right so I think we're at arts number five yeah.
1: uh yes and then we danced a Sundance Ooh. movie uh that I know played at a bunch of other festivals as well I got to Super catch this good. right after Sundance and pretty much it's this guy who has been want this dancer he's been wanting to like kill it and make it to the like Gregorian traditional dance. But that's the thing. It's very traditional. And his way of dancing is a little bit more modern. And he's Mm -hmm. showcasing how he wants to dance. And that's going against what has been established. (laughs) Then comes another dancer who not only throws everything for a loop, but throws his own love life for a loop. And he starts getting attached to him. And wherever that relationship goes, um, I don't want to spoil, but... I think it's dope. I think it's great. And it leads to a fantastic conclusion um, that really really showcases something that I've seen in a bunch of other movies recently as well. It's like people wanting to be a part of something, Mm -hmm. but that something is so established and doesn't want new people to come in or doesn't want any changes, you know, whatever it is. You know, for us, the Academy has a specific (laughs) look on movies, you know. Uh, I can't even speak of so many other things that that have that Mm -hmm. tradition. Um, And when someone wants to come who's been raising it but do something a little bit more different to do something a little bit more modern they're chastised because yeah. they want to keep the integrity or the purity of whatever that is because they're too afraid for change um and i really love that aspect of it on top of that there's a the love story that's in there and uh yeah mm-hmm. this is fantastic
2: yeah and i, I would have put that on my danced. list i didn't realize that it actually released officially
0: yeah i believe it uh, hit VOD on June 2nd. Oh, damn. So. Okay.
2: Yeah. That would definitely make it on my list then. I thought that was uh, really beautiful. I was lucky enough I ended up getting a screener for that on my, like, mm-hmm. if, while we were at uh, Sundance. So I, I was watching mm-hmm. it on my, while well, I was on a connect, waiting for a connecting flight. And it's not the optimal time to watch a movie, but it still <laughs> managed to, like, pull me in so deeply as I was watching it in this airport. That it's mm. just it was very beautiful, you yeah, know. So, yeah, Everyone always that's... talks
1: about now. You got to watch the cinema in the cinema, dude. If you can watch something on your iPad or as Scorsese would say big iPad, if yeah. that can still draw you in, that is a it's story. A that is a movie. Yeah. It doesn't matter where mm-hmm. you are. It should. It will. Be it will bring you in. But yeah, and yeah. then we dance. I think it's fantastic.
2: Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So art giving us a couple films from the UK, mm-hmm. giving us a film from Georgia. All over the place, you know uh, the country, not, <laughs> yeah, the the not the state.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Little international flavor, very cool. Amanda, what is your number five?
2: Uh, my number five is probably something that could have been lower on my list, but uh, I really liked it and still liked it on repeat viewing. The mm-hmm. Lodge. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, I Talk about we it. saw that again at last year's Sundance, and the way yeah. the reason why I always really for me, I know it's weird because I was watching. I, I made a full video on this on my channel, and then I noticed a lot of so everyone's want when I go to upload, I just see what other people are titling and stuff like that, just to get a general idea of what's happening Um, Mm -hmm. and then i was like man people didn't like this and people were like this is slow and i'm like i didn't really get that impression we watched that at midnight and that Mm -hmm. kept me captivated for like two hours i don't understand like i don't know what people necessarily expect from things but i felt like very captivated by by all the performances and everything going on in this so essentially uh the lodge is a kind of like a it's a it's a horror movie in which um uh these two kids have a dad who starts seeing a new woman, and they really do not like this person, and then because Mm -hmm. of an incident that happens, they start to really not like this woman, but it's not really because she's done anything to them. It's just, you know, kids are like that. They put blame in weird places. So Mm -hmm. um, her name... So it's Riley Keough plays the, the uh, the new woman, and... She's fantastic in this, but they kind of get this idea that they're going to go to the family lodge for the holidays. But the dad's got more work to finish up. So he basically takes them up there, gets everything set up and then leaves the next morning. And he's like, I'll be back on the weekend. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, and then a lot, a lot of stuff the starts launch. going wrong. Mm-hmm. Like it starts it's, with a snowstorm. Yeah, gets a lot worse from yeah, there. Yeah, like it starts with a snowstorm. It gets worse from there. Like they, they, they show the thing on television. You know, mm-hmm. they're having a. You know, <laughs> they're calling out the classics and stuff. But uh, essentially, it just kind of ends up in the situation where like they wake up and like all the power is out and they can't really get anywhere. Is because the storms picked up so heavily. Um, we know that she as a character has some other issues. Uh, because of things that have happened and um, it just kind of ends up in a situation where everybody gets a little bit in over their head. It has some yeah. genuinely terrifying moments in this. Um, I yeah, I really enjoyed it and I would recommend it. And for me, it's one of the uh, it's on the good side of the horror movies that have been released this year for mm-hmm.
0: sure. Yeah. It, it's definitely among that like a 24 brand of yes. slow burn horror. Uh, the co-director is Severin uh, Fiala Ooh. and Veronica Franz yeah, so uh, make good. a lot of those kind of like uh, d- p- kind of frustrating at times, but deeply like creepy yeah. movies. Yeah. Uh, I really liked Goodnight Mommy? Mommy from from mm-hmm. them. Art, I know you've done a lot of uh, research into I've the done so much on these. So There's much so research. So much about them. It's yeah, so weird.
2: That, it's like, oh yeah, he used to babysit my kid okay boy <laughs> well, got paid in VHS tapes like who who yeah. does
1: that oh well, yeah exactly uh,
2: paid VHS is wild
1: and they're related she's uh, his aunt and uh, I believe he's mm. her nephew so like they've they've been together all their lives mm-hmm. and the beauty about them is uh when they were doing this movie they're practically like no we do things our own way we don't <laughs> like if we're gonna make this movie we're gonna take the script that you gave us rip it up and do, mm-hmm. try to do something completely different and I think that yeah. may be the thing that a lot of American audiences were frustrated with is that's that true. they wanted to go in there and they wanted answers they wanted a specific thing They're not, right. American audiences jump scares. thank you they're not looking for tone they're not looking for an aesthetic they are looking oh, for a horror movie so that gives you the shocks and everything that's in there they're, they're, not look, they're not gonna go back to rewatch it and I got a lot of that and the video that I made that got really in depth and people went, no, I want you to watch it for me. And I was like, no, okay, I, like, I, I, I see what the explanations are becoming uh, now. But But there's like a whole
2: other layer of things going on there with kids and how kids process grief and how kids process trauma and how people process situations and how they're not mentally developed enough to know when they're necessarily doing something that's like messed up. And we glorify it in comedies, but somehow it's like not okay to show it in this. It's just such an interesting because, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's just like it's just one of those things. It's like behaviors that you see in like every kind of like kid kid comedy that's so funny. But in this it's like that they're little not monsters, you know, yeah. like no it's uh, I, I personally really enjoyed it and uh, yeah just listening to the directors talk like I guess at one point they actually wanted to shut off all the heat to the house so that the actors would yeah. actually be freezing and they <laughs> wanted crazy. they wanted Riley to be the one like there's a point she she ends up in ice water and they wanted her to be the one to do it to go into like, the ice water they were like no we can't legally we can't make her do that so he'd have to <laughs> like, but she's not trembling
1: off. enough they're like dope
2: that's no. not gonna happen it's not gonna happen <laughs> exactly we're not uh, killing Riley lead actress yeah
1: it's a be- it's a beautiful looking movie uh, and just everything that they created for it from the sets yeah Mm -hmm. it's
0: one of the best looking horror movies of the year for sure agreed awesome Uh, so the lodge that's amanda's number five five. my number five as i mentioned earlier was the invisible man so we are back to art for number four my number four i'm not sure what festivals is played at but it is available on netflix
1: for everyone to watch it is called i'm no longer here Mm-hmm. And pretty much it's this it's this kid who has his own like little gang that hangs out together. you know, they're hustling, they're doing what they what they want to do uh, back in Mexico. But there is an actual gang who's like looking at them going, "Yo, you're the kid who takes care of your group. Eventually you should join us. And the movie takes place from his moments back home in Mexico. And then when he's moved over here to the United States and the juxtaposition of what he's going through, I think it is absolutely fantastic. Um, and there is a moment. Because the movie is really about self-identity, and there is a moment that like just got me. So I don't know how else to put it. But uh, it, I, I thought this one was fantastic. Like I said, it's available to watch on Netflix. Um, really quiet performance from the main guy who is going through you know not just uh, his own emotions, but he literally cannot understand any of the language once he's come over <laughs> here. Uh, but I highly recommend this one. I'm no longer here.
0: Nice. Yeah, uh, this was one of those weird Tribeca selections where it, it Tribeca, banner, but Tribeca, dude, uh, Tribeca, Tribeca killed this year. Half happen. of it, mm-hmm. this... Yeah.
1: Tribeca had a great lineup this year.
0: Yeah, it w- it would have been nice. <laughs> it would have been <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amanda, what's your number four?
2: Uh, this is an unpopular one because I think it had kind of gotten so many not positive reviews. So I went into it with, with such low expectations, and I okay. had such a great time watching it. The Gentleman.
0: Interesting. Guy okay. Ritchie. Yeah.
2: I don't know what it was, but I was like, I saw that in a theater with like five other people and I was like, I was laughing. I had a great time. Like I get that it's kind of, um, so it's a, like, it's a, it's a Guy Ritchie movie that kind of deals with, um, you know, um, Matthew McConaughey's character is kind of like this weed overlord over in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's uh, just great performances from everybody. So it kind of starts with this, uh, journalist weaving a story for, uh, Jax from, Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. H- oh, Charlie, H- Hunnam, Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Charlie Hunnam. And, you know, at the beginning, it's kind of a little bit iffy to follow, but then you realize it's that he's he's a journalist and he's pretending he's selling a story to him, but he's actually telling him all this stuff he knows about his boss and all the stuff that they've done and why he should be inclined to give him a bunch of money to bury the story. Otherwise, yeah. things could get really bad. And it's just this, like, this weaving, like, story between, like, you know, you've got... um you've got like McConaughey kind of wants to sell the business and get out of it. You've got the person who's planning to buy it. You've got a uh, guy from uh, crazy rich Asians. Who's another mm-hmm. competing drug family that wants to buy into it too. Um, but uh, I know a lot of people were like, "It's like if somebody was trying to make a Guy Ritchie movie and not actually a Guy Ritchie movie." But I don't know. I personally <laughs> doesn't have that a really suck great time when the it. director
1: gets to that point?
2: Yeah, when it gets to the point where somebody like it seems like you're trying to mimic yourself, but oh, uh, wow, no, Spielberg! I, yeah.
1: Oh, you're just gonna make the post? Wow! Just, yeah, well, just, a just a regular <laughs> nine out of ten movie. We expect an eleven out of ten. Yeah, dude, I feel you. <laughs> Good this job. was the Sundance movie yeah. that got away. There's always those movies that come out during Sundance. Yeah, and I, I almost busy went watching to see the it. Sundance flicks. Yeah. yeah,
2: I almost went to see it the first night. Um, but then we went and got food instead, and it was great.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, dude. They had a whole like line of whiskey going for this movie. Like it was yeah. one of the Kingsman flicks. They had a, yes. a, a strain also in Colorado when mm-hmm. we were passing through <laughs> yep. for the gentleman. So I, I think I, I still need to finish this one because I only got like halfway through it. Okay, um, but yeah.
0: Yeah uh, another one that I missed because okay. like we said we were at Sundance but yeah I mean this is kind of the thing that Guy Ritchie got famous for are these sort of uh, crime movies that have a little bit of like fun charisma yeah. and like fast talking so characters much charisma. It's Jesus. got a really deep cast. Like, I don't think we even mentioned Michelle Dockery or Colin Farrell no, or yeah. Hugh Grant. Yeah,
2: and Hugh Grant is hilarious. Did I say Hugh Laurie? I meant Hugh Grant when I said Hugh Laurie. Hugh Grant, <laughs> hilarious in this. He's so good. Like, he's flirting with Charlie Hunnam a bunch. It's just like, it's just so, there's just little moments that are just like genuinely hilarious. And like, it might have been, it could have been cleaned up in areas, but I personally really enjoyed it. I watched it again like a couple weeks ago when I was visiting yeah. my parents and it was really good. I liked it.
0: I'm about to finish it And not that IMDB ratings Are the be all end all But it's got a 7.9 It's a lot higher than I Yeah I I think I was looking at
2: Letterboxd And just what people Were telling me Because I remember Because it released Overseas early It was out in 2019 um, In like Ireland And stuff like that So I have a I have a friend in Ireland Who was like I was not really a fan of this So I went into it With lowered expectations But I had a great time Watching it I loved it
0: Dope Very cool Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, my number four is a movie that had a brief stint in theaters, but uh, will be available on VOD again soon. It's A24's First Cow, the latest from Kelly Reichert. This uh, really interesting movie about uh, some of the first fur trappers in Oregon setting up uh, camps and civilizations there. Uh, it, it's this like story of uh, early Americans that doesn't, I think, get told that much mm. in that... Uh, it's a, a little bit of frontiersman stuff, but it's it's more about establishing a town and starting a business. It's like this buddy story about a Chinese immigrant and a uh, fur trapper where one of them just becomes very good at making these oily cakes. <laughs> and then they start to to like, d- you know, th- it's, it try to grow this business in a in a in the eighteen hundreds. And it's just this unique uh, setting and perspective in a way that I was really enraptured by. It. The the relationship between these two characters is really good, and both John McGarrow and Orion Lee are are very, very good in the movie, as is uh, Toby Jones, who kind of plays a little bit of the the uh, uh, antagonist. Uh, it's just a, a really neatly observed world in the way that Kelly Reichert does with her films. It's, it's quiet, but uh, so... It's so true and and kind of beautiful in the way that it feels like life. Uh, I'm excited for more people to catch it because it's, it's such a unique movie and didn't really get its full run during the uh, first theatrical run that it had. I am excited to catch it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. Now that it will be out, At yeah. home. Yeah. At on home. On VOD. On Soon, VOD. <laughs> uh,
1: maybe yeah. we'll even get St. Maud. I don't know. But I yeah, have I, seen St.
2: Maude. You have St. Maud? I saw it. No, I don't have it. I saw it. You Sorry, own I'm it? It is
1: in your, you have the 35 Yeah, it's in my
2: hands, right? <laughs> how yeah. was
1: that one? How was it? Was it good?
2: It was pretty good. I feel like they're okay. marketing it as a little bit more exciting than it actually is. So I think it's going to run into the same kind of problem The Lodge did where people are going to be going into mm. it thinking it's something completely different than it actually See, is. And that's the
1: craziest part of right. going to festivals because St. Mod was one that got away at a TIFF. So seeing mm-hmm. how it was pitched at TIFF to then how it's pitched publicly is always really interesting. Yeah. Um, my number three, as we get to the top three, mm-hmm. A Swallow. I really enjoyed Swallow. Uh, Amanda, you really got to watch this one. I know it is. And it's really hard to pitch because someone who may have like a phobia against people swallowing things. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. That's like telling someone who's afraid of the water to go watch like uh, what is it? The one where they get lost in the water, Deep Water, 40, or whatever yeah, deep it is. is lost. Forty-seven All, meters, to go watch whatever. All Is Lost or something like that. Forty-seven. Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense, but
0: yeah.
1: it is a it is a fantastic performance. Another Tribeca film. Like what is going on here? Uh, it's it's a very slow moving story. That is all like from from uh, Haley Bennett's perspective, who one needs mm-hmm. to get some respect because this woman comes out in a movie and everyone just goes, oh, my gosh, it's Katniss. Oh, look, it's, it's Katniss 2.0. <laughs> now <Nah>, it's Haley <laughs> Bennett. I think she killed it in this movie. Uh, I loved hearing the uh, behind the scenes from the director who, you know, based it off of his grandma and a lot of the stuff that she was going through and and how different it is from her story right now that's told in Swallow to what mm-hmm. that was for his grandma. In the fifties, where there is no other way to get away, and they just throw you in, you know, a psychiatric ward. But over right. here, it's like, nah, you are a trophy wife, and a trophy wife gives a trophy kid. Um, be- yes. Beautifully shot, the score, the sound design, especially, you know, because it's the sound design that makes. The swallowing disgusting, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, yeah. she's probably eating something else and they'll cut to to something else. But it's the sounds that you can't escape from. So maybe watch it on mute so you can still get the story, <laughs> but you won't have to <laughs> deal with the swallowing aspects of it. But I highly, oh. highly, highly recommend this movie. Just
0: Amanda I'll, seems so I know, emotional. right? It. She's I'll so uncomfortable because
2: I know she wants to see it, but it's too gross to watch. You know, there's movies that I do this with, you know, every once in a while. You just give it a little... You know, in hereditary with the with the that I was there's a little bit of this in the theater, just a little bit of I'm going to look at the ground, you know. I'm yeah. still getting uh, everything.
1: <laughs> it's worth the ending though. It's worth okay. the actual ending and I, I don't want to say more to it. It's just fantastic.
0: No, no, no. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'll check it out. All right, Swallow cool. on uh two of our lists. Nice. Definitely worth catching up. Yes, on. sir. Amanda how about you? What made it to your top three?
2: Uh, My top three is kind of moving around because we've already mentioned big time. Hey, so, um, same
0: for me. I'm
2: going to go. Uh, you could, I'm going to go.
0: You could just talk about big time if you want.
2: I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. We, we, I felt like I said everything I needed to about big time. Cool. Um, But uh, we'll go uh, never rarely, sometimes, always, which uh, I'm sure one that's gonna is come higher up, yes. up on other people's lists. Yep. I was kind of going back and yep. forth between this and another one. Um, but, uh, we've talked about this on this, we did an entire episode about this for the mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. here. Uh, it's a very just real, just incredibly heartbreaking movie about a, uh, a girl who needs to get an abortion. That's like the very basic The basic premise and just showing how uh, all the different steps that she would have to take to actually safely get one done and how difficult it would be and how uh, all the different obstacles that she would come across. So like in her hometown, it's, you know, she goes somewhere where she assumes they can help you, but it's just like one of these fake little anti-abortion clinics that's going to try to encourage you to to keep the kid because, you know, it, they she gets there because she wants to get a proper test and she pulls out, like, a Walmart, Walmart pregnancy Dollar test. Dollar
1: Tree. Yeah. yeah,
2: basically, it's all like, this is how we're going to find out. So it's like, okay, um, so that actually, and then doesn't, because she's not a proper doctor, didn't actually know how far along she really was, so that caused mm-hmm. more issues when she actually did get to a facility that could have handled it in a quick way it actually became a much more serious procedure because she was further along than she assumed she was. Um, mm, mm-hmm. So they basically have to get from their town. I think it's Philadelphia, right?
1: Yeah, they're in Philly. Uh, pa- yeah, yeah.
2: Phil- Philadelphia or Pennsylvania? Yeah. Phil- oh, no, they're in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Okay, so, Pennsylvania, so, they, so yeah. they have to get from Pennsylvania to New York, and then it's just her cousin kind of accompanies on her, and it's just this, such a beautiful relationship between them um, just as cousins, and like uh, so much in that movie is done, not said. Which upset some people. Mm-hmm. Some people were like, I don't know why she didn't say something. It's like, well, she did, but she did it with her hands. She did it with why like little... Why didn't you
1: direct it with a yeah, card?
2: Y- you don't need it. It's just you can have those tender moments where everybody involved knows that that's the moment. You don't need to bring it up again later, even though it's a movie. Um, this honestly does kind of feel like, um, like a camera just following somebody around in yes. a real story. It doesn't feel like they're trying to to dramatize it in any way or gussy it up in certain ways to just make a bigger point. It's really just supposed to show you the struggle from point A to point B, from the emotional standpoint to the just everything. It's, yeah, it was really, really beautiful movie.
0: Uh, Eliza Hittman uses the, that like neorealist perspective mm-hmm. where it's it just feels uh, so much like fly on the wall so much like you're just, uh, you fly know, look, you're in the room with them as these things are happening. It doesn't feel like a movie. And, and that thing you're saying about not necessarily getting the big dramatic payoff is another just element of the movie that mm-hmm. feels like life. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it just uh, relatable and, and real and. Uh, beautifully captured at, for me, never, rarely, sometimes, always is my number one. I figured it of the would year be so far. Yeah, uh, yeah I two. mean, I I was blown away as you mentioned, not just by Eliza Hittman, but the performances from Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder, also uh, Theora Pel- uh, Pellerin, who plays the the boy who uh, they run into on the bus and in New York mm-hmm. is kind of provides this like creepy sort of presence uh that's why he's so great i think he does mm-hmm. I, he he does such a i think he's so good at, at that sort of non-threatening but also uh, like luring yeah. kind of uh presentation yeah that he has uh and it's just it's such a well-crafted movie in, in every respect Uh, It's something that we get a lot into in our Let Us Explain is um, all the ways in which it touches on bigger societal issues and stuff like you're mentioning how uh, the doctors she sees in rural Pennsylvania give her a different outlook than the doctors she sees in Manhattan Mm -hmm. and how uh, different political ideologies sometimes kind of influence Mm -hmm. uh, how abortion cases are treated. So I'm. I think it's just a stunning film. Uh, blew me away at Sundance yeah, and absolutely. continues to impress me. Mm-hmm. My, my number one, Amanda's number three. Yeah. And okay. uh, maybe on arts list somewhere <laughs> as we get to year number two. What was it What was your number three? Oh, oh, I'd skipped my number three. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm so my excited number, three. With your number one. Yeah. I know, I know. Uh, my number three is the one that one that we're gonna talk about in more depth in an upcoming Intercut video. It's the Five Bloods, mm. the latest from Spike Lee. Uh, is it a little bit messy? Sure. Is it a little slack? Sure. Does it feel like uh four or five movies combined? Yeah. yeah. But it's this. also one of the most interesting movies that I've seen. Uh, about war in general in quite a long time specifically because of all the context that Spike Lee and only a guy like Spike Lee feels like he could bring to this uh these this generational story about Vietnam vet black Vietnam veterans who return to Vietnam uh partially to recover the remains of their dead friend partially to go on a treasure hunt uh it's just a film that's loaded with historical uh relevance and uh, historical knowledge too. the way that Spike Lee always does his films as he imparts uh, so much knowledge. Uh, but it's also a very exciting movie, a very uh, charming movie in times and a, a gripping war story, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm excited to uh, have people listen to our, our more in-depth chat on it because I think we got into a lot of interesting stuff, mm-hmm. including uh, the elements of the flashbacks that I've seen people uh, Deride without necessarily thinking about like why it might be that these men who are experiencing post-traumatic stress disorders then also experience their the flashbacks to war as their current selves rather than their younger selves. I don't know. Maybe think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Five Bloods. It's a great movie, though. Uh, one of Spike's bla- uh, Sp- one of Spike's recent bests, and my number three.
2: Yeah, uh, I've decided that's my number three, and Never Rarely is my number two, just because things have been right. around. We're good. Yeah. No, oh, that was party. one of your
1: top switching up? Yeah. yeah. Uh for me, that was, it was one of my honorable mentions. Uh but it has one of the best performances of the year so far. Uh in the male category. Mm-hmm. Act category. Mm-hmm. It's I, I don't know who's gonna be, be beat him. Like Yeah. Well, one because we don't have any other movies coming out at the moment that mm-hmm. like uh I think without a doubt, um Delroy Lindo. Delroy Yeah, he's Delroy. It, yep. one of the best ones. Um I do have another one, but he's just He's not qualified, but I'll get I'll get there. I'll get there soon. <laughs> never, rarely, sometimes, yeah. always was my number two. Uh, so we go. What is it? Three, two, one, or is it two, two, one for never, rarely, sometimes, it's, always?
2: It's, it's weird. It's all over yeah. the place for me right now. It's
1: top five. <laughs> That's really all that matters for me. Yeah. My three, two, one are always just the top of the top. Uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always is fantastic. Everything that mm-hmm. these two said. I'm just going to add that I truly believe Eliza Hitman has the best directing of the year,
2: mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not flashy. Mm-hmm.
1: So. It's not considered best directing of the
0: year. It's so tame. It's so appropriate and matches the
2: material, you know? I I could never. Because it lingers (laughs) where it needs to. I do not have the patience to to do that. Yeah, it lingers where it needs to. It closes in where it needs to. It lets things breathe when it needs to. Um, It gets Mm -hmm. uncomfortably close when it needs to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's so good. So good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the never rarely sometimes always scene like that's yeah. all, all of it is <laughs> in there. Oh my god. That's all I'll say. Absolutely one of the standouts of the year. Uh, uh-huh. between Fair. swallow never rarely, my number one. All of them could have been number one, really. yeah uh, Right. What's yeah. your guy's number two?
0: Or who? Yeah, who Amanda. Hasn't? So you said never rarely is your number well, two, but do you want to talk a little more about the five bloods? Uh,
2: I pretty much all the same things that that you really had to say. I think it was really um, it's juggling a lot of really heavy subject matter, especially from a standpoint where like it's like they're both the victims and the perpetrators of something but they're the perpetrators of something vietnam. because they were kind of forced into it like <laughs> vietnam everybody Rats knows nam. like n- Mer- america never should have been in vietnam like that's like the known right. thing but then they're also you know frontline sacrifices essentially they've been put yep. into the harshest conditions and then had to go back to a country where they're also in the harshest conditions, and they're still not getting treated equally in either of those places. Um, But then, obviously, they were in a place where they probably shouldn't have been committing acts that they shouldn't have been for people that knew they probably shouldn't have been there. So there's so much going on there. um, And I think almost how it's handled lets you know that it's like, obviously, you're not trying to pick a side because there isn't necessarily a side Mm -hmm. to pick in a lot of these situations. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, it's very...
0: Yeah, no, it's a movie that really reckons with the damage caused both in Vietnam and at home for these people. And I I think so much of the movie is about the legacy of that kind of impact that... uh, war has on people yeah so, uh, all right, another, sorry we, another
2: one thing it's almost he's he's got yeah. he's had this very he's got this very good way of kind of like pulp serialization where he takes real footage and he did the same thing with Black Klansman where you take yes. real mm-hmm. scenes real shots and throw it in and to some people that mm-hmm. actually bothered them it's like I don't want to watch an actual scene from a movie and then cut to somebody's brains blown out on the ground but it's like it's just supposed to show you how like yeah. horrifying and real these situations were that's
1: a lie totally because you can pick another movie and they've been completely okay with it in other movies they just I'm didn't sure. like it happening right. that yeah.
0: That's a piece of criticism that I, I really reject
2: I
1: because
0: because while I understand that, you know, it, it's a different thing to see real violence and fake violence. I think part of the thing about fake violence is we become so desensitized mm-hmm. to it yep. that you have to be reminded in situations like like this film that when they're showing you violence, they're showing you something that's serious. Yeah. They're showing you something that is very damaging to people and to generations. So. Yeah. Uh, I I think Lee does a great job In incorporating that real world footage Into the five bloods Mm -hmm. So uh, Amanda and I both have the five bloods At number three Amanda had never rarely sometimes always And Art also had never rarely sometimes always At number two Mm -hmm. I have bad education at number two I talked about that before So Art I think we're going to your number one it is not for the déjà vu
1: here, but Bad Education. I personally believe is one of the best movies of this year. Uh, like Zach said, the more you rewatch it, I've seen it three times. You just go fantastic. I think it's mm-hmm. one of the best perform one of the best performances of the year. Uh, I would put him still second to Lindo, uh, only yeah. because he didn't have the accent down. Uh, I think that's the probably the biggest criticism I've heard from the people. Uh, who, who like actually went to the school and who know who know mm. it a bit more it's probably just the accents i think allison had it better um yeah but performance wise he's not eligible because it's still an hbo thing even though the rules were changed he's not eligible but right. whatever it is available for everybody to watch the hbo was actually putting out a physical edition that you could buy that comes with the special features like we wanted mm. um Ooh, yeah but like zach awesome. was talking about it it's parasite It's all of these other movies from last year that we talked about because, again, it came from the TIFF that was Mm -hmm. all about eating the rich. But even more than that, it puts you in a real-life scenario that shows you that the people who are doing bad things, it's only the lower-end ones that get caught. Yeah. Because everyone does bad things in the system. It's just you weren't doing the bad things to benefit everybody else. Yeah. Uh, which I, I would say really uh, connects to the, the college scandal that we had. Was it a year or two oh, ago? Oh, my
2: God. Yeah, that, that's with, still going on. Yeah. With Full what's, house. Uh, Felicity Huffman. <laughs> Thank you. you. Full house lady. Rebecca, whatever. What they did
1: yeah. <laughs> was yeah, yeah, wrong, yeah. but they got caught because they didn't do it the legal wrong way. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was how they yeah. gave. Right. it was It was how they gave that got them caught. It was how he took that got them caught. Yeah. I don't know. I find that so fascinating and, and uh, along with the interview that we did um, with the director and just the line that he said where you know that it's flawed when you can't pinpoint the person to blame it on. At yeah. that point, you know it's the system. Uh, one of my favorites of the year. This, this, The three that I mentioned for sure are going to last up until the end of the year. Where they end up, I don't know. I still have to see the other two yeah. uh, more times, but Bad Education, a fantastic movie that proves to you That HBO isn't movie theaters. It's HBO, baby. (laughs) You're the best (laughs) of the best. (laughs) And now that everyone has HBO Max, I think uh, people will realize that, hey, you can watch the other things that are not Game of Thrones because there is a lot on there to watch. There is. For you guys, you're number one. Mm -hmm. I know I got Zax.
2: All right. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say I messed up my list at this point, and I'm just very confused. so uh, oh, I'll no. hit Hardimus you up foul. after, Zach. I'm just going to hit you up after, Zach. We're going to bounce King of Staten Island, and we're going to move things around. I realize that there's actually 11 things here. My bad. Um, All right, no worries. So my, my number one was Big Time Adolescence, just because I love those coming-of-age stories and really hit me. But To the Stars was oh, another yeah. one that I loved. That was from last year's Sundance. I loved it. I wrongly left the first time I watched it with like 15 minutes to spare because I was trying to make it to another showing that had had a lot of hype around it. And I regretted yes, it. So is. I actually made time a different day to go watch it again. Uh, I got a picture with the director. Um, I think it's it's just very beautiful movie. So the whole thing's happening in like rural Oklahoma. And you've got mm-hmm. this girl who's an outcast and in so many of these movies. The outcast girl is just kind of like, oh, she reads and has glasses. She's an outcast. <laughs> But in this, she actually has something um, that kind of makes her wet the bed, even though she's a teenager. And you kind of learn that a lot of it is because her mom has not even wet the bed, just wets herself regularly kind of thing. But you kind of learn that so much of it is anxiety. She does it because of anxiety and her mom makes it so much worse for her because her mom's constantly being like, oh, you can't go there because you know what's going to happen. You're going to have an accident or something. Mm -hmm. So it's like that increased anxiety is actually almost destroying her or essentially destroying her life. So this new girl ends up moving to town who has all of these crazy big stories about, you know, things that her dad does. And um, she's just very different, very reckless. She's from a bigger city. Uh, And then kind of as the story keeps going, uh, a lot of these different things start to unravel. So this new girl is played. um, Her name is Maggie. Um, and I think uh, Art has her name brought Liana up. Liberato. Yeah, yeah, Liana Liberato. And uh, so she comes in and really helps um, Iris open up. She really helps Iris come into herself, is her first actual supportive friend, gives her confidence. But then stuff with Maggie's life starts to unravel mm-hmm. too and you realize that the reason what they that they moved wasn't because the dad got a new job opportunity. Uh, is this a spoiler if I say what the reason is? Because I feel like it's a selling point.
0: Probably. I, th- I mean... I, I the, they the keep it there so people have to go watch the movie to know.
2: True. Okay. There's a you know there's a, a thing that ha- there's a reason why they moved and it has to do with something that Maggie did that really is not a problem but it was a problem in 1960s Oklahoma. Um, right. And it just becomes this heartbreaking tale. It does fall into some tropes in that area um that we've commented on before but overall it's like it's a very very beautiful movie of kind of like self-discovery but the ending is so brutal and painful and i think it actually it made like a couple of the guys that we were at sundance with last year cry actually oh, they like they drowning were really in there mm-hmm. too yeah like you know i expect that of myself but it was and <laughs> it was it just hit so hard originally it was black and white it's supposed yeah. to be black and white but we knew this was going to happen the district <sighs> like once it got to distribution they were like mm-mm Got to recolor it. So I haven't watched the color version yet, but I'm sure it kind of loses a lot of the nuance because it wasn't shot to be in color. It was shot to be in black and white. And that does actually yeah. make a difference. Um, it's still definitely worth the watch, I would say. Um, just kind of a personal nitpick that it was kind of annoying that they did that. Um, but I think it's definitely, definitely worth the watch and uh, I'm very excited to revisit it.
1: I had no idea awesome. that Iris... This took mm-hmm. me to like afterwards. She's the uh, she's the main girl from Moonrise Kingdom.
2: Yep, she is. She's the little girl. Yeah, yeah. I had no Moonrise. idea. All grown yeah, up. Yeah, all grown up now, and she's in Manchester by the Sea too, actually. Yeah, I,
1: I recognize her yeah. in Manchester. Maybe it was the black and white into the store. Yeah, so maybe that's Maybe in Colorado, I will recognize her a little bit more. Maybe a little but, more. But yeah, yeah no, I no. thought it was
2: really good and a lot of really good performances in this, especially the dynamic between Iris and her mom and just kind of like the tension there mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of how that explores through the movie as well, and then obviously maggie's home problems and stuff it's just it's really good
0: yeah you mentioned the the stuff with anxiety as Mm -hmm. well Uh, i think also uh comes into play with that 1960s oklahoma setting and that uh that people don't know how to address these problems yes. or how to deal with these problems. And uh, you see the repressed attitudes kind of taking a toll on these young women yeah. uh, in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a beautifully told story and uh, hopefully more people get a chance to catch up with it. Hopefully there's like a black and white version. It's out there. Out yeah. I know it was it's they supposedly be out was playing like one virtual cinema. This is going to
2: sound horrible, but I'm going to DM the director on Instagram. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> we're not friends, but... She followed me back. So you're maybe gonna you download the me. movie. You're gonna <laughs> put maybe the black and white contrast me.
1: on it and return it to her.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's
0: really good. All right, so uh, Amanda, you are coming in with "To the Stars" at the number one spot. Uh, so, yeah, that. That's all of our number ones. As I mentioned, mine was never, mm-hmm. rarely, sometimes, always. Arts is bad education. A uh, few movies showing up a couple times on our list. Definitely make sure you check them out. Let us know what your top tens for the year are in the comments below or by shooting us an email, intercutpod at gmail.com or reaching out on social media at intercut. Pod, but uh, that's about all for this edition of the best of 2020 so far. Make sure you watch our best TV so far episode as well, and you can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterbox at Z Shevich. That's Z S H E V, as in Veronica Franz, the co-director <laughs> of The Lodge. I C H. And check out my YouTube YouTube.com/slash Multiplex Show. Amanda, where can people catch more from you? You can
2: find me on YouTube. Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, all of the above, and some more. Letterbox at Amanda the Jedi.
1: Sit. awesome. You can find me on. Let me explain. The A to Z Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and in black and white over on Twitch, <laughs> uh, or every week here on the Intercut Podcast.
0: Yeah, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher, I like Overcast, And then make sure you're subscribed, not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can catch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Please leave a comment. Like the videos. Consider handing over to iTunes to leave us a five-star review. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at IntercutPod to get updates throughout the week from art from me, from Amanda, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, are you lost, baby girl?